Section 32 of Jataka Tales by H. T. Francis and E. J. Thomas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Panther and the Goat. The master told this tale while dwelling in Jedavana concerning a certain she goat. At one time, the elder Mogalana lived in a dwelling with one door in a mountain enclosure surrounded by hills. His covered walk was close by the door. Some goatherds thought the enclosure would be a good place for their goats, so they drove them in and lived there at their pleasure. One day they came in the evening, took all the goats, and went away. But one she-goat had wandered far, and not seeing the goats departing, she was left behind. As she was going after them, a panther saw her, and, thinking to eat her, stood by the door of the enclosure. She looked all around and saw the panther. "'He is there because he wishes to kill and eat me,' she thought. "'If I turn and run, my life is lost. I must play the man.' And so she tossed her horns and sprang straight at him with all her might. She escaped his grip, though he was quivering with the thought of catching her. Then, running at full speed, she came up with the other goats. The elder observed how all the animals had behaved. Next day he went and told the Buddha. "'So, Lord, this she-goat performed a feat by her readiness and device, and escaped from the panther.' The master answered, "'Mogalana, the panther failed to catch her this time, but once before he killed her, though she cried out, and ate her.' Then, at Mogalana's request, he told an old tale. Once upon a time the Bodhisatta was born in a certain village of the Magadha kingdom, in a wealthy family. When he grew up, he renounced desires and adopted the religious life, reaching the perfection of meditation. After dwelling along the Himalaya, he came to Rajagaha for salt and vinegar, and dwelt in a hut of leaves which he made in a mountain enclosure. Just as in the introductory story, the goatherds drove their goats thither, and in the same way, one day as a single she-goat was going out later than the rest, a panther waited by the door, thinking to eat her. When she saw him, she thought, "'My life is forfeit. By some means I must get him into pleasant and kindly talk, and so soften his heart and save my life.' Beginning a friendly talk with him from some distance, she approached and spoke the first stanza. "'How fares it with you, uncle? And is it well with you? My mother sends her kind regards, and I'm your friend so true.' Hearing her, the panther thought, "'This baggage would beguile me by calling me uncle. She does not know how hard I am.' And so he spoke the second stanza. "'You've trod upon my tail, Miss Goat, and done me injury. And think you, by saying uncle, that you can go scot-free?' When she heard him, she said, "'Oh, uncle, don't talk in that way.' and spoke the third stanza. I faced you as I came, good sir. You face me as you sit. Your tail is all behind you. How could I tread on it? He answered, What do you say, she-goat? Is there any place where my tail might not be? And so he spoke the fourth stanza. As far as four great continents, with seas and mountains spread, my tail extends. How could you fail on such a tail to tread? The she-goat, when she heard this, thought, 
This wicked one is not attracted by soft words. I will answer him as an enemy. And so she spoke the fifth stanza. Your villain's tale is long, I know, for I had warning fair. Parents and brothers told me so, but I flew through the air. Then he said, I know you came through the air, but as you came, you spoiled my food by your way of coming. And so he spoke the sixth stanza. The sight of you, Miss Goat, on high, the air a-flying through, frightened a herd of deer, and so my food was spoilt by you. Hearing this, the goat, in fear of death, could bring no other excuse but cried out, Uncle, do not commit such cruelty. Spare my life. But though she cried out, the other seized her by the shoulder, killed her, and ate her. The ascetic saw the whole matter of the two animals. THE GRATEFUL PARROT Once upon a time many myriads of parrots lived in the Himalaya country on the banks of the Ganges in a grove of fig-trees. A king of the parrots there, when the fruit of the tree in which he dwelt had come to an end, ate whatever was left, whether shoot or leaf or bark or rind, and drank of water from the Ganges, and being very happy and contented, he kept where he was. Owing to his happy and contented state, the abode of Saka was shaken. Saka, reflecting on the cause, saw the parrot, and, to test his virtue, by his supernatural power, he withered up a tree, which became a mere stump perforated with holes, and stood to be buffeted by every blast of wind, and from the holes dust came out. The parrot king ate this dust and drank the water of the Ganges, and, going nowhere else, sat perched on the top of the fig stump, recking naught of wind and sun. Saka noticed how very contented the parrot was, and said, "'After hearing him speak of the virtue of friendship, I will come and give him his choice of a boon, and cause the fig-tree to bear ambrosial fruit.' So he took the form of a royal goose, and, preceded by Suja in the shape of an azura nymph, he went to the grove of fig-trees, and, perching on the bough of a tree close by, he entered into conversation with the parrot, and spoke the first stanza. "'Wherever fruitful trees abound, a flock of hungry birds is found. But should the trees all withered be, away at once the birds will flee.' and after these words, to drive the parrot thence, he spoke the second stanza. Haste thee, Sir Redbeak, to be gone. Why dost thou sit and dream alone? Come, tell me, prithee, bird of spring, to this dead stump why dost thou cling? Then the parrot said, O goose, from the feeling of gratitude I forsake not this tree. And he repeated two stanzas. They who have been close friends from youth, mindful of goodness and of truth, in life and death, in weal and woe, the claims of friendship ne'er forego. I too would fain be kind and good to one that long my friend has stood. I wish to live, but have no heart from this old tree, though dead, to part. Saka, on hearing what he said, was delighted, and, praising him, wished to offer him a choice, and uttered two stanzas. I know thy friendship and thy grateful love, virtues that wise men surely must approve. I offer thee whate'er thou wilt for choice. Parrot, what boon would mostly thy heart rejoice? 
On hearing this, the king parrot, making his choice, spoke the seventh stanza. If thou, O goose, what most I crave wouldst give, grant that the tree I love again may live. Let it once more with its old vigor shoot, gather fresh sweetness, and bear goodly fruit. Then Saka, granting the boon, spoke the eighth stanza. Lo, friend, a faithful and right noble tree, well fitted for the dwelling place to be. Let it once more with its old vigor shoot, gather fresh sweetness, and bear goodly fruit. With these words, Saka quitted his present form, and manifesting the supernatural power of himself and Suja, took up water from the Ganges in his hand, and dashed it against the fig-tree stump. Straight away the tree rose up, rich in branch and stem, and with honey-sweet fruit, and stood a charming sight, like unto the bare jewel-mount. The parrot-king, on seeing it, was highly pleased, and singing the praises of Saka, he spoke the ninth stanza. May Saka, and all loved by Saka, blessed be, as I to-day am blessed this goodly sight to see. Saka, after granting the parrot his choice, and causing the fig-tree to bear ambrosial fruit, returned with Sujata to his own abode. End of section 32